It's the 400th anniversary of the first Thanksgiving. But there is so much more to this tradition than delicious food and family gatherings. Today, we're talking turkey about the complicated history of the Thanksgiving holiday. I'm Bethany Van Delft. It's November 25th, and this is the 10 News. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Do you remember learning the story of the first Thanksgiving in school? The story you were told may have been about English pilgrims and Native Americans sitting down together to share a friendly meal after a successful harvest. But were you ever taught that those Native Americans were people of the Wampanoag tribe? And did you know that the story that's been told for generations isn't entirely accurate? Okay. Let's separate Thanksgiving myth from Thanksgiving reality. The Wampanoag did teach colonists how to plant corn, beans, squash, and gather berries and nuts. And the pilgrims did have a fall feast. But the Wampanoag were not exactly invited. What does that mean? Some historians think, in celebration of their first successful harvest, the pilgrims sent four men on fowling and exercised their arms, which is old-timey talk for they were out shooting at some grub for their big dinner. Another account says, hearing gunfire, the Wampanoag sent 90 men to investigate. When they arrived, they were told the pilgrims were celebrating their first successful harvest. The Wampanoag men stayed for three days and a treaty was made with the pilgrims that no one from either group would harm anyone from the other, but would rather support and protect each other. In time, tensions grew. While that feast would go on to become a treasured holiday for many Americans, it has a really different meaning for Native peoples, and not just the Wampanoag. Over hundreds of years, European settlers did tremendous harm to Native peoples, cultures, and lands. Aw, man. So, as we gather with family in the spirit of gratitude, it's important that we also acknowledge the true history behind the Thanksgiving holiday. While many families come together joyfully to celebrate Thanksgiving, in the indigenous community, there is a tradition of coming together on this day for a national day of mourning. Correspondent Pamela Kirkland spoke with Matoi Monroe, a leader of the United American Indians of New England, about the meaning of the day. This year marks the 400th anniversary of the first Thanksgiving and the meeting of the Pilgrims and the Wampanoags, which means people of the first light. And while the Wampanoag tribe did help teach the Pilgrims how to survive, the fourth Thursday of November isn't necessarily a celebration for all. The National Day of Mourning has happened every year on Thanksgiving Thursday since 1970. A few hundred Native Americans and non-Native people meet near Plymouth Rock to talk about what Thanksgiving means from the perspective of Native Americans. Matoi Monroe has helped organize the Day of Mourning for the last few years. The holidays are coming up. People are thinking about Thanksgiving. I wanted to ask you about the National Day of Mourning this year um, and just what, how that came to be, I guess. The National Day of Mourning is held every year in Plymouth, Massachusetts on Thanksgiving Thursday. And we have been doing it since 1970. We come, we go there every single year since 1970. And we'll be, we'll be there again this year. We meet every year at Coles Hill in Plymouth, which is a hill above Plymouth Rock. And 
when we do this, we have we have ceremony that we open with, and then we have speakers from all over the place, indigenous speakers. We only have indigenous speakers because our elders who started National Day of Mourning said it, it, it nobody's listening to us the other days of the year and everybody's talking for us and over us all, all the other days of the year. This day of the year, it will be only indigenous voices that people will listen to. Yeah. And so we have indigenous speakers from all over talking about many, many different issues. Then we'll march through the streets of Plymouth and we end up down by Plymouth Rock where we have another rally and, and, and talk about the history of Plymouth Rock and things like that. It's a 52nd year. We're, we think probably the longest running demonstration. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, you know, it's wonderful that everybody comes together for that purpose to explain that this holiday that is, you know, depicted with turkeys and a great feast and the indigenous people of um, Massachusetts welcoming the pilgrims in is not what you've been taught or what you hear um, talked about and has been talked about for so long. That's right. We have a lot of uh, allies who come to be with us too. It's, 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 we welcome allies to come and be with us. And, and to me, it makes it even more meaningful that, um, you know, that we're all together there for one purpose. And um, it's, it's just a really beautiful, peaceful, uplifting kind of day. You mentioned land, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And you mentioned the original inhabitants of the land around Boston and the Massachusetts tribe. So not too far away, you've got the Wampanoag tribe, the Nipmuc tribe. Part of the celebration is to acknowledge these indigenous communities as the original caretakers of the land. Why is it important to recognize the original inhabitants and the original stewards of the land we live on all across the country? It's important to remember and acknowledge that this is indeed their land. And I think it's important for non-Native people to think about that and how they come to be living on this land and what happened to Indigenous peoples for them to be able to be here. I think that your listeners will, will hear this. You know, we're all really worried about climate crisis. We're future thinking. And I believe that Indigenous voices have been ignored for so long in this country. And very often non-Native people have thought that they could speak for us instead of us speaking. And they thought that they could speak over us instead of letting us be heard. So we've been speaking loud and clear for quite some time. And I think that by centering Indigenous people's voices and by non-Native people understanding us better and understanding our perspectives about the land and the water, I think, I think then we can take some proper steps to address the climate crisis. Yeah. And it's, it's little things that you don't necessarily think about, like the teaching of Columbus or even was it the Massachusetts state flag or was it Boston's flag that was recently changed because of the depiction of an indigenous person on it. That is correct. The, the Massachusetts state flag um, had an offensive depiction of an indigenous person on it. Still does, by the way. It hasn't been changed yet. And there's a, a, 
a white arm with a sword hanging over the head of the indigenous person. Um, there's all kinds of other issues with the state flag and seal, but we did, as you noted, get a bill passed last year uh, so that there will be a that there will be a committee who will examine the flag and hopefully redesign the state flag and seal so that it will not be racist and not have um, an image of a really badly drawn image of an indigenous man on it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to our listeners. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you, Pamela and Matoi. What does a nursery rhyme have to do with Thanksgiving? Uh, help? It turns out the woman who wrote Mary Had a Little Lamb, Sarah Josepha Hill, helped make Thanksgiving a national holiday. Cool! She wrote letters to lawmakers and even to several presidents for 17 years. Wow! Finally, Abraham Lincoln proclaimed Thanksgiving a holiday in 1863. Great job! Now, let's check in on some kids doing great things. For the past nine years, 12-year-old Dominic Miller has collected books, pajamas, scarves, gloves to help kids in his community in Detroit. His project is called Dominic's Christmas Wish, and he's hoping to help 2,600 children stay warm this winter. That is a good citizen. Yes! Nine-year-old Paisley Campbell of Kentucky is raising money for a children's hospital in Nashville by making and selling hot chocolate cocoa bombs. These balls of chocolate can be added to hot milk for a warm treat. Now that is a sweet gesture. And 11-year-old Evan Bisnoth was named the ASPCA Kid of the Year. Evan reads to dogs at a shelter in New York City to help them get used to interacting with humans. He also makes animations and shares them online to bring attention to dogs in need of homes. And now for your... What? What? What's the big idea? Trivia on the 10. Around 46 million turkeys will be eaten on Thanksgiving. Like chickens, female turkeys are called hens. But what do you call a male turkey? Is it A, a cackler, B, a gobbler, or C, a nibbler? Did you guess it? The answer is B, a gobbler. Male turkeys are the only ones who make the famous gobble-gobble sound. Female turkeys make a sound called cackling. Males have brightly colored feathers and fanning tails like a peacock, and females are smaller. There's quite a few differences between male and female turkeys, but if you and your family are planning to have a turkey this Thanksgiving, males and females are equally delicious. Sorry, vegans. Time is up. But before we go, here's a quick note for the grown-ups. Thanks for listening to The 10 News. Look out for our new episodes on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and extras on Saturdays. The 10 News is a co-production of Small But Mighty Media and Next Chapter Podcast and is distributed by iHeartRadio. The 10 News creative team has Mary Had a Little Lamb stuck in their heads and includes Tracy Crooks, Pete Musto, Tessa Flannery, Adam Bernard, and Natalie Alonzo. 
Pamela Kirkland contributed to this episode. Our production director is Jeremiah Tittle, and our executive producers are Donald Albright and show creator Tracy Leeds Kaplan. I'm Bethany Van Delft, and thanks for listening to The 10 News. Hey, if you're not eating turkey this Thanksgiving, what are you eating? Let us know. I'm always looking for a good recipe. This podcast has been named a Common Sense Selection by Common Sense Media, recognized for its outstanding content for kids and families.